Tonight, I want to talk to you um, about Jesus's, uh, some of Jesus' last instructions. You know, um, this happened before the crucifixion. Jesus knew the crucifixion was coming, and uh, uh, he was uh, aware uh, of what was coming, and he was trying to prepare his disciples on, on what, was going, what was going to happen and what they needed to do. You know, if you knew, if you knew that you were going to pass away in a couple of days, you'd want to get with your loved ones, you know, and you'd want to give them some instructions. You'd want to tell them how to handle things and what to do. And, um, and you may want to give them a wish list that you have, okay? And, uh, and, and you'd want to tell them your last things, the important things that you wanted to pass on. And that's what Jesus is doing here. There's some important things that he wanted to make sure his disciples got so they could teach others, okay? I remember, um, and this was about 24, 25 years ago, um, uh, a couple that lived next door to us, uh, uh, Norma led her to the Lord, and, and uh, they went to our Rockwood Church, and, and, uh, and I invited him out uh, for a fa special Father's Day thing, and he got saved in that Father's Day thing, and they lived next door to us in Flat Rock, and, and he had a heart attack and died, and she was left with the kids, and, and she had cancer, okay? And, um, and their... Uh, their uh, their daughter, their middle daughter, and my youngest daughter were best of friends. They were the best of friends. And, and uh, she asked my wife, she said, uh, when in her last days, she said, Norma, she said, I want you to do one thing for me. She said, will you continue praying for my kids? Will you continue praying for my kids? And, and just kind of uh, watch over them. That was her deepest desire. That was the most important thing on her mind, was to make sure somebody was praying for her kids when she was gone. And then she told Norma, and she told Norma, and uh, uh, I want to see you in heaven, so don't you dare backslide, <laughs> okay? But, but uh, you know, if, if you knew something was going to happen, you want to give instructions. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He was giving uh, his, his instructions. So we're going to take a look at some of the things and consider some of the things that he was instructing them. Okay? And uh, so let's begin um, in John 13, 4 through 9. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothes. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Can't you just see Peter saying that? You know, Peter was the big, rough, tough fisherman. And Jesus replied, do you realize, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later on you'll understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Doesn't that sound, you know, doesn't that sound like, like Peter? Doesn't that sound sometimes like us? No, no, Lord. You know, I'm not going to do that. Have you ever said that to Jesus? I have. And, uh, and Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Strong words. Look at Peter's thing. Then, Lord, Simon replied, just not wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head. Wash all of me. I want to be part of you. And what Jesus was doing here, he was going to give them an object lesson. He was going to give them an object lesson. And, you know, in the Bible, Jesus gives us a lot of object lessons to teach us. And what he was going to do here is trying to teach his disciples a few things about a few things about serving a few things about love so let's take a look at that we find Jesus uh, giving his last instructions to his disciples in verse 4 and 5 um, and Jesus gave his disciples an object lesson that's the first thing and then our second sign in is about serving okay first one's about serving he began to wash their feet now, the important thing you have to understand about this was, back in those days, that was a custom. If you went to, if you went to somebody's house because they wore sandals, they had, they had two things to wear, sandals and feet. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have the luxury of socks. They didn't have boots or shoes. They had sandals, or they went feet. So when you went into somebody's house, usually a servant washed your feet for you. 
So what Jesus was showing them here is being a servant, is being a servant. Very important, very important. In verse six, when it came to Peter, you're not gonna wash my feet. Jesus, you may be a servant to rest them, but I know who you are. That's what Peter is saying. I'm not gonna let God do that for me. You know, sometimes, sometimes we as Christians think we're bigger than we really are. God, you're not, you're not gonna let that happen to me. You're not gonna teach me to do that. Because if you teach me to do that, it means I'm gonna have to do it too. You know, sometimes we think we're more important than God. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes we act like that. Because, well, Jesus did it, don't mean I have to do it. Jesus loved them, don't mean I have to. Jesus did this, don't mean I have to. But Jesus said, hey, listen, Peter, if you're not gonna do this, then you're not part of me. If you're not going to do just the simple things you're not part of me. And that shook Peter pretty bad. That shook Peter pretty bad. You know, he said to Peter, do you realize what you're saying? Have you ever, have you ever sat down and just kind of talked to Jesus and you know there was something he wanted you to do and you're trying to talk your way out of it? You know that Jesus was telling you in your heart, maybe through the word, this is what I want you to do. And you sat down and said, you know, Lord, um, I'm not capable of doing that. Lord, I can't do that. Doesn't sound like Moses, you know? When God said to Moses, hey, I want you to do this. Lord, I can't talk. You know, I remember when, you know, they asked me to take position here as a pastor. I laughed. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I could never do that. I still don't think they got the right guy. But anyway, <laughs> Jesus changed your mind, um, changed my mind. Um, but you know, let me just tell you, um, I, I remember, and Bob, I was on the board, you know, and pastor was in his first year. And I'll just give you a little, oh, how this happened. Um, I had to get off the board because I had my six years in on the board. And uh, Pastor took me, took Norm and I out for lunch and said, hey, thanks for being on the board. And he said, uh, when you retire from Chrysler, and I just turned 55, and I was in management, I, he said, when you retire from Chrysler, I'd like to put you on his staff. And I thought, that's seven or eight years down the road. I, I, and I laughed. And I said, well, thanks, but no thanks. And I said, you know, Pastor, I said, my management, I can't leave till I'm 62. And you don't tell pastor, you don't give pastor a challenge, okay? I said, I can't leave time 62. And he said, I'll pray, I'll pray that you can get out before that. <laughs> Two weeks later, they offered me an early out, you know? And then I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I thought I had my out. Uh, and this is what the early out, you had to be 55, I just turned 55. You had to have 30 years and I had 35 years, 36 years in. I started when I was 19. And, uh, and then I thought, well, you know, I'll just, I'll bait it a little bit. And I said, well, if you give me this, yeah, we can give you that. And then, uh, so then I signed up for it and then they red circled me and told me I was too important, I couldn't go. And then headquarters called down and said, nobody's too important, let them go. So that's why I'm here, okay? But you know, you take it, don't, don't, no, don't, but I'm telling you, you know, when, when God tells you to do something, you know, you can put up all kinds of flags, you can put up all kinds of but gods, you know, you know, and uh, I thought for sure pastor had the wrong guy, you know, I, I, I tell him that every once in a while, even now, but you know what I'm saying? And let me just tell you, pastor and I are best of friends, okay? We're the best of friends. Uh, you're not gonna work for a better guy. Okay, but anyway, um, so what, G, what Peter is saying here, no, Lord, I know you want me to do this, but I'm not gonna. Lord, I know you're washing our feet, and I don't serve it. And Peter had an idea what was going on here, but Peter wanted better things. You know what I'm saying? No, Lord, I don't wanna be an usher. I'd rather teach. 
No, Lord, I don't want to do this. I'd rather do this. Lord, I'm too busy doing everything else to do what you want me to do. And, you know, Jesus can shut doors and open doors. He can shut doors and open doors. No, Lord, you will never wash my feet. Boy, that's pretty strong. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no power, you have no part of me. Unless you learn, and this is what he's telling him, listen, unless you learn to be submissive to my will, you have no part of me. What he was teaching these guys to be submissive, that's part of it. That's part of it. Jesus wanted them to be submissive, just not to him, but to one another. Just not to him, but to one another. He's telling him, unless, you know, isn't that what he says? Unless, you know, unless you understand what I'm saying, you have no part of me. Tough words, but they're good, aren't they? Jesus was teaching his disciples to learn how to serve one another. He was teaching his disciples to learn how to serve one another. Because if you can't serve your brothers, if you can't serve your brothers who you're ministering with, how are you gonna serve other people? You learn to serve through doing it. You learn to serve through doing, you learn to serve through submission, submission to God. And that's what he's telling them here. That's what, he's, that's what he's showing them here. You serve one another's and, you, and when, when you're doing there, you're accepting them. When you're serving one another's, you're accepting them. Um, that's like giving brothers and sisters help. You know, you're serving them. When you help them, you're serving them. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time, and I'm just asking you, don't answer it, but when's the last time you really helped somebody that needed it? That's what he's teaching me here. He's teaching you here to be submissive, to learn, to wait on one another. And that's what they were doing. Washing somebody's feet is not a job that I would want. Is it a job that you would want? You know, thank God we don't do that in today's church, you know, but we could. I wouldn't be here, but we could. Um, but Jesus said, you call me teacher and you call me Lord and you're right. Learn then. If you're gonna call me teacher and you're gonna call me Lord, then learn what I'm trying to teach you. That's what he's telling him. You know, we do the same thing in our lives, don't we? We call him Lord. We call him Lord in our life. But just as soon as something happens or just as soon as maybe he's trying to push us in another direction, all of a sudden, well, Lord, you don't understand. Maybe he's not Lord. Maybe he's not Lord. Lord means he's overall. Lord means he has everything. That was a tough one for me to learn. I don't know about you. Sometimes I still struggle with that. That was a tough one for me to learn, that he was Lord of everything. That means... You know, back in those days when I gave him everything, giving him Norm was no problem. I didn't like her anyway, you know? Giving him my kids, we had a, I had a problem there. Giving my billfold, I was broke anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's, Sometimes it's easy giving him the little things. It's easy giving him the things that you want, to, you want to give him. But when it comes to giving him yourself, that's what he asked about. I remember struggling with the Lord that night. It was a struggle to two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I struggled. He said, no, I know I can have that. I know I can have that. And you know, you know, you have, it's almost like Satan's on one shoulder and God's on the other and you're going back and forth. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But when we give everything to God, and that's what Peter, that's what Peter is doing here. When he said, yes, Lord, wash everything I got. What are you saying here is here I am. Take anything you want, wash it off. I'm all yours. And you know, that's what God is looking for. 
He's looking for, and, and just think, and we're going to touch a few things in here, but just think what happened in Peter's life after that. He became quite a, quite a leader, didn't he? Became quite a man. And, and, and what are you saying here? I've given you an example, and you should do what I have done. Jesus knew that if his disciples were going to be effective leaders after he was gone, then they must learn to serve and to love one another. You can't be effective leaders. You can't be an effective leader if you don't learn, if you don't learn the basics, and that's the basics in Jesus' program, if you want to call it, is you got to learn to love and submit to one another. You gotta learn to love and submit to one another. Not easy. Not easy. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to love the lovely, isn't it? It's easy to love this person or that person or that person. And let me tell you, you not, I'm talking to church people, okay? And that's, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to leaders here. He's not talking to the backslidden Christian that's never been saved. He's talking to leaders here. He's talking to his Christian friends here. And he's saying, he, he, he knew there was some problems in the ranks. He did. He knew there was probably a few problems in the ranks. You gotta learn to love one another. You gotta learn to submit to one another. Did you know that pastor and I don't agree on everything? We don't. Some things I say, boy, I don't know, Pastor, if that's the way. But he's my leader, and I submit to him. And nine and a half times out of ten, he's right. Once in a while, I'm right. But you know what I'm saying. There's no right or wrong, but you know what I'm saying. We learn to submit. You know, a marriage is never going to be strong unless both, both husband and wife learn to submit to one another and to God. In fact, let me put it this way, until husband and wife learn to submit to God and then to one another. Because if you can't submit to God, you're gonna have a hard time submitting to the other. I know, I tried it, it didn't work. I think all of us have tried it, haven't we? So this is nothing that, this is nothing that is just for disciples, this is for the church, this is for us. About serving, about serving, how about, how, how, about, how about about love? Let's go to the B, about love. A new commandment I give you, love one another. A new commandment I give you, a new thought. That's what he's saying here. Here's a new thought. Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What a, what a great thing. He's telling his disciples, guys, you gotta love one another. Just not like, but love. He said, and just not love, but love them the way that I love you. And Jesus loved them dearly, didn't he? How does Jesus love us? He loves us with everything he's got. He, he, he gave his life for us. He forgave our sins. He teaches us. He's our leader. He's our God. And he said, this is the kind of love that you should show to one another. If there's a place, and I'm going to watch myself here, but I'm going to make a statement. If there's a place that the church has failed today, it's Christian brothers and sisters. I'm not just talking of just church. I mean the church as a whole. It's loving one another. It's loving one another. I'm talking about the Baptists loving the, the Catholics, the Catholics loving this, and all of us loving one another. The church has failed miserably. And this is where, this is where if we want to win the world, how in the world can we win the world when we can't love our own brothers and sisters? I got a good friend, my best, he's my best friend. We've been friends since fifth grade. 
He was the best man at my wedding. We played ball together. We did almost everything. The only thing we didn't do together was he went to Vietnam and I didn't. One of the best friends I ever had. You know, and last year, last year we were together and he said, Rick, you know I'm an atheist. And I said, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I know. He was, he, he was raised in a church. He was in a youth group. He was a president of their youth group. And, you know, he said, I've seen too much. I've seen too much. And I know exactly what he was talking about, and so do you. I've seen too much backbiting. I've seen too much bickering. I've seen too much fighting. And I thought, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's no difference this than the guys down the bar. And that's exactly what he told me. The church needs to learn to love one another. And that's what Jesus is telling him. What's he say here? It's a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say, try. Try to love one another. He said, you must love one another. So what's that love look like? What's that love look like? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Let's take a look at that. Here are some qualities of love and serving. Look at this list. Love is, first of all, patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. You always do that. Love keeps no record of wrong. One of the biggest problems with marriage. Love protects. We protect one another. We protect one another. I'll tell you one thing about the staff that we have here at church. We got each other's back. We protect one another. We protect our Lord too, but we protect one another. We may not be perfect, but we love one another. Love, trust. Love, trust one another. Trust. Another big Another big problem in marriage. You know, a lot of these can go with marriage, but it also goes with the church. Love always hopes. Love never fails. Love never fails. Now, I'd like you to, I'd like you to look at those again and put I before it. Let's go back through it. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I am not proud. You know what I mean by proud? I'm so proud I look down on everybody. For the grace of God, there goes I. For the grace of God, there goes me. I remember one time I was up at our, our bread of life up in Detroit. I was helping Mary up there. And people were going through the line. You guys been up there. People were going through the line and I was speaking to a few and, and I was talking to this one guy, nice guy. Great big black guy, probably about 6'10". Great big guy. He could have picked me up and threw me in a garbage can. You know, and I was just telling him how much God loved him. And he walked away and I thought, Lord, for the grace of God, there, I, there am I. All of us are the grace of God. Should never be proud. We're proud that we're Christians, but you know what I'm saying about proud. Love is not rude. Love is not rude. I'm gonna make a statement here. Chew it over. Sometimes we're nicer to our Christian brothers and sisters than we are to our husbands and wives. You can tell that I do a lot of marriage counseling. Love is not easily angered. Oh my goodness. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't read that last night. <laughs> you know, do we get easily angered sometimes? Do we get easily angered? Sure we do. Sure we do. And usually it's over something stupid. You ever notice that? It's over something. I used to have an awful temper. Awful. I blamed it on my dad for years because my dad had a temper until I realized it wasn't my dad's fault. It's my fault. That's another thing I had to take care of that night at the elder. And no wonder no one wanted to leave me. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, love is not easily angered. If you want to get angry, get angry at sin. If you want to get angry, get angry at the junk that's going on 
with our kids today. You want to get angry, get angry at these funeral homes that have so many bodies they don't know what to do with them, so they just leave them sit out. That's the things we should be angry about. Be angry about sin. Don't be angry because your brother and sister didn't look at you right in church Sunday morning. You know, I had a brother once tell me in this church not long ago, well, five or six years ago, he said, you know, you, know, you don't like me, do you? <laughs> I said, what? He said, you never look me in the eye when you talk to me. I'm thinking, that's because I'm so busy. I, but, but, it, but he caught me, and I thought, wow, maybe I don't. And the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I got to slow down and enjoy people. Because, you know, you can get so busy, you don't even see people. I can get so busy on a Sunday morning making sure everything runs right that I walk right by people. You know what I'm saying? All of us can do that. We can be so busy that we don't have time to spend quality time with each other. I'm talking about quality time. I had somebody tell me the other day, in this church, I'm too busy to go to small groups. Small groups are important. Small groups are important. I'm too busy to go to small groups. Now, don't get me wrong. I know all of us are busy, and I know there's times where you can't do it. You know? This week, I got a small group going. Uh, Friday night. I got one Friday morning, and I got one Friday night, and I got six meetings in between them. Now, I'm just, uh, you know, and I was thinking, they probably wouldn't miss me. Friday night and I thought but I'll miss them <laughs> you know what I mean so things don't get so important that you forget some of the necessary things you know that you forget you know that's why Norm and I have a family night just the two of us we had a family night when we had kids and after after the uh, after the kids left you know, all of a sudden, you know, and we both started working here and, and we got so busy, you know, and we found we didn't have time for each other. So on, on Thursday nights, my phone is turned off, her phone is turned off. And if it rings and, and you know, it's on a buzzer and, and it's pastor, it's got to be important because pastor knows he don't call me unless it's important on Thursday night. But you know what I'm saying? Set a time. How am I on that? Oh, love is not anger. <laughs> wow. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. Now, we're just going over love right now. But these, if you, Jesus said, love one another as I do. You know, Jesus keeps no record of us. When we, you know, how many of you have sinned, asked God to forgive you, and two days later, you did the same stupid thing again, and you asked God to forgive you, and you did you know? That's, you know, that's called life. Now, there is a place you should start getting over it. But has God ever said to you, hey, wait a minute, I just forgave you that yesterday. You keep doing the same stupid thing? No, God don't say that. He said, I forgive you. 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 I for Isn't that great? Yeah. That's why you want to keep short accounts with Jesus. I'll never forget that, that night when somebody told me, Rick, you got to keep short accounts with Jesus. I said, what do you mean? He said, don't let five or six things build up until you're out in left field and come back to God. Keep short accounts with Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. I try to practice that. Try. Love protects. Love protects. We protect the ones we love, but we should protect each other. We should have each other's back. Somebody came to me not long ago. It's been a while ago. But they wanted to tell me about a brother and a sister in church that they feel is doing something wrong. Ever happen? You ever do it? And I said, wow, let's go talk to him about it. Oh, no, no, no. I said, come on, let's go talk to him about it. I'll go with you. Let's go talk to him about it. Well, no, because, you know, I said, then it can't be too serious. Love protects one another. 
Love protects, love trusts. Do you trust one another? Do you trust your brothers and sisters? That's what somebody told me. Rick, I don't want to go to a small group because I'm afraid to share because I don't trust everybody. Now, let me say this. Trust is built. Okay? Trust is built. And we have a saying here. What is shared in small groups stays in small groups. Now, the only thing that a small group leader can come to me with if it's abuse. Because we have an obligation as a church, as a leader, to report it, okay? That's the only thing is abuse. Now, they can come and they can share stuff if they said, they told me I could share this with you. And that has happened. I'm the, I'm the leader of a small group, so. You know, I don't get very many of them. Once in a while, somebody will come and say, hey, they told me they could share this with you. So love, trust, and trust is built. I had somebody come and tell me long ago, they're having marriage problems. My wife doesn't trust me. So what do you mean she doesn't? I have to call when I do this. I have to call when I'm here. I have, I have to call three times on my way home. I said, have you given her reason to? Well... There's always that well, isn't there, huh? Well, there was this time. You know what I'm saying? So just because you say, hey, I'm sorry, honey, I'll never do it again. That's, that's not building trust. Not doing it again is building trust. And being home on time is building trust. And doing this on time, that's building trust. Love trust. We trust one another here, don't we? Hmm? What is shared in Woodland stays in Woodland. It's good. Love always hopes. Love always hopes. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in... You ever meet anybody that everything is negative? Everything is negative. I remember... <laughs> you ever open up your mouth and, and wish you wouldn't have said anything? But somebody was, somebody was complaining one time to me. And it was just, not sometimes, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And I said, would you do me a favor? Yeah, what? I said, when something positive happens in your life, call me. They got the hint. You know, we, it, love always hope. Hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ. You know, I don't like what's going on in our world, but I have a hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. I have a hope that the world's going to be saved. I have a hope that my buddy is going to bend a knee. You know, after telling me he was, a, he, he was an atheist, we were out for coffee, and he said, oh my God. I said, oh my what? You don't believe in God. He just shook his head like, oh, why do I like you so much? <laughs> but he's still my best buddy. He's a stinker. <laughs> but he's come a long ways. He's come a long ways. He's come a long ways. I'm, he, uh, he told pastor once, he was come in for coffee. And uh, he said, I better not walk in the sanctuary because it might fall through. He said, I haven't been in, he hasn't been in church in, uh, what did he tell me? 50, 56 years he hasn't been in church. Love never fails. Love never fails. Now what Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is telling us here in 1 Corinthians, my love never fails. And that's the kind of love that you gotta show. That's what he says, isn't it? Love as I love you. Jesus' love never fails. Does it? Has Jesus' love ever failed you? Jesus' love never fails. Now, we do fail, don't we? We're human. And when we fail, what do we do? Do we put our heads between our tail and walk away and think, oh, I'm a failure, I'll never do it right? No, you ask forgiveness and pick it up and do it again. Love never fails. Now we fail, all of us have failed people. All of us have failed, I've, I've failed, all of us have. But that love, that means we're there for somebody. That means if I say, hey, I'm there for you, I'm there for you. 
If it means that, you know, I told somebody the other day, well, not the other day, a few weeks ago, and he tried me out. I said, hey, I don't, whenever you need me, you call. I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. If you need me, call. And he called. He said, I just need to talk. So there I am. 3.15 in the morning, I'm downstairs on my phone talking to him because he needed to talk. Love never fell. I have failed many a time. And so have you. But Jesus said, that's the kind of love that we need to show. That's the kind of love that the world's looking for. The world's not looking for somebody who fights with their brothers and sisters because that's all over the world. The world is looking for something they can dig their teeth into and hold on to. And that's the kind of love that we have in Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. Why didn't you tell me it was that late? Let's go on to number three. How do we show love? How do we show love? Now here in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all things, have fervent love for one another. Now, I want you to look at this. Who's writing it? Who's writing this? Peter. Peter's writing this. This is 1 Peter 4, 8. Peter is the one who went back in where we were at, when, where were we at? In John, Peter says, hey, you're not going to wash my feet. That same Peter is telling the church now to love one another. Have fervent prayer, love for one another. What Peter here was doing, he was encouraging his church. He was encouraging the church. He's writing this to Christians. This is not written to the world. This is written to Christians. Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply so people can see it. The Greek word for fervent means stretched to the limit. Has your love ever been stretched to the limit? I have dealt with some people that stretch my love <laughs> pretty long. I have a daughter. Is this being recorded? I have a daughter that has stretched Normanized love past the limits. And then around again. But you know what? She came back to the Lord. She came back to the Lord. You know, back here where Norma, where, where um, Sue told Norma, hey, pray for my kids. Her middle daughter, her middle child, Tammy. Once her mother died, she turned her back on God and went left and right and every place else she could. Today, she's one of the most solid Christians you ever want to meet. You know why? Because we did not stop praying for her. Just not us. But we did not stop praying. Just two years ago, two years ago, we met up with her down in Tennessee. That's where she's living. Remarried, got a cute little kid. And uh, her and my her and my her and my youngest daughter are real good friends, and they were down there. We went with them, and she gave, she gave, she gave Norm and I the biggest hug and kiss you ever want to give, you know. And I met her husband, and her mother says, her husband says, "Oh, I couldn't wait to meet you guys. That's all I've heard is Norm of this and Norm of that, not Rick. Norm of this and Norm of that. But you know what I mean? Hey, love never fails. God doesn't fail. If you're Never stop praying. Never give up praying. Never. You know, if you, think, if you think it's too late, God doesn't answer prayer, don't stop. Because God does. God does. I told you about my grandma. You know, my grandma, my grandma didn't get saved till she was in her, I believe, 40s, okay? But she lived till she was 97. I mean, you talk about a saint. I mean, she was... Her and your grandma, I mean, they were two peas in the pod. I mean, they were, they were saints, you know? I was afraid. When grandma said Richard, I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> what did I do? But, you know, but grandma had a daughter that, uh, that grew, grew up with polio back in those days. You know, polio was a big thing, and she was picked on all the time, and she turned her back on God, and she didn't want anything to do with God. And grandma prayed for her until the day she died, until the day she died. 
And Irene never came back to the Lord. That was my Aunt Irene. But a year later, a year later, Irene couldn't sleep one night. She got up, turned on the TV, and there was one of those stupid Christian preachers on TV. And Irene got saved. And if she is just like my grandma, she's on fire for the Lord. She's 97 years old, 98 maybe. Goes to church every Sunday, works in the church, cuts the grass at the church. I told her last time I seen her, you are grandma all over again. <laughs> but you know what? What I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, don't give up. You know, we talked to somebody this morning. Somebody called me this morning. Having trouble with, they called Norma. Having trouble with one of their children. They're ready to throw up their arms and just give up. I said, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God knows what he's doing. God doesn't give up. Did God give up on you? No. I don't know about you, but God had a lot of chances to give up on me. I gave up on him. But he didn't give up on me. Love stretches us to the, to the limits. James, no. Where is it? Okay, it's it. First Peter 4, 8. Let's read the rest of that. Because love covers over a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. Let me read James 5, 19 and 20. Is that there? Okay, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the heirs of their way will save them from death and covered over a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Loving one another covers a multitude of sins. In other words, you look over the sin and you keep praying. It says, if, any, if one wanders from your, keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. They turned from their ways and they became sinners. Keep praying for them. Because you keep praying for them and you keep loving them and it brings them back. When Norma and I and I shared this with you before. When Norma and I, we were a week, a week from back Tuesday. She was leaving Friday. We were three days from her walking out. Bags were packed. She was gone. Two weeks from divorce. Revival broke out in the church that we left a year before and told them, don't ever call us. Don't ever. 22 people called us that day. 22 people. You know who they were? They were the ones who prayed for us and brought us back. And we fought it even until 2.30 that morning. It was my bowling night. I wasn't going to go to church, but we ended up going. When you're praying for somebody, don't give up. That's what I'm telling you. Because love covers a multitude of sins. We can love somebody back into the kingdom. We can love somebody back in the kingdom because it works. Norma and I are an example that it works. And we've done it over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. We were in a meeting one day. I'm going to share, I have a lot of stories, but I'm going to share this one with you. We were meeting one day and the church service went a little long and the pastor got up and he said, this is going long. If you want to go ahead and leave, leave. There was this couple here. It was his first time that he came to church. This was in our Monroe church that he came to church with his wife and he got up and walked out. They lived in Luna Pier. You know where Luna Pier is? They lived, lived in Luna Pier. And he told his wife that day, I will never, ever go back to church again. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Well, that night, we had evening services and, and we had special meetings going. That night, we had a meeting at our house. Afterwards, we called it a share meeting. And she was sharing with us because we asked anybody how to pray. There was about 50 shoved in this little house that we had, 50, 60 of us. And she shared what her husband had to say. And I said, well, let's go to prayer. And we started praying. 
We got done and we started sharing and the phone rang and it was him. It was him. I thought, oh man, he's after his wife. He said, hi, is my wife there? And I said, yes, she is. He said, uh, would somebody come and get me? I need to be saved. We took one of the young people that were there, took him out. She watched the kids. We brought him back in. He walked in our place, sat down, sat in the middle. That's all there was. Of sitting. I mean, we were so packed. We had people down the aisles down this way. Gave his heart to the Lord. And his life was changed like that. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Love covers a multitude of sin. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Don't look down on people. What's it say here? Love must be sincere. This is love in action. Love in action, the last one. Love must be sincere. If you want to hate something, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good, not the other way around. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Honor one another above yourself. Never lack for zeal. And keep the spiritual fervent. That's what we talk about, that fervent. Serving the Lord. When we're, when we're serving Jesus, when we're loving others, let me find my notes. When, when we're serving the Lord, we're serving, when we're loving, let me, let me put it this way. When we're loving others, we're serving the Lord in the interest of him. We're serving others in the interest of Jesus, okay? In other words, we're not serving just because it's a good thing to do. We're serving him in the interest of Jesus. We serve the Lord we serve the Lord when we're serving others. That's what I'm trying to say. When, you, when, when we're serving others, when we're up in Detroit serving others, we're not serving it because it's a good thing to do. We're serving it because we're serving it in Jesus' name. When we're helping other people out, we're doing it in Jesus' name. Vic works all kinds of jobs helping this person. Vic, I'm going to use you as an example. I hope you don't mind. But Vic does all kinds of things, helping this person out with electric, helping this person out with electric. I know he does. I've seen him do it, you know. Now he's getting kind of old. He can't do as much as he used to. But he don't do it because, you know, he don't have anything else to do it. He does it because he loves Jesus. He does it because he loves Jesus. Bob, you do the same thing. You help this. You help that. You know, you know we're a body and we help each other, you know. If this, if this finger hurts, this finger helps it, you know? We're part of the body. And that's why, we're, that's why we're here for one another. We help one another. You know, let me give you an example. We had the wild game dinner Sunday night, you know? We had more help than what we needed, didn't we? We had all kinds of help. Bob and I were worried about it. We didn't even have enough to eat. We had food left over. I told him to go back for four, six and sevens, you know? You know, but you know what? Now, you know, the young people came up to me and they said, after it was over, and they said, Pastor, is it all right if we put the tables and chairs away for you? I said, boy, let me think about that. No, you know, hey, we, you know, it's helping one another. You know what I mean? It's helping one another. And, you know, we, we had guys cooking things, cleaning things. We had three people, we had three guys in the kitchen cleaning, you know, and I didn't even know they were in there, Bob, until I happened to walk in. They had two-thirds of the stuff done. That... I'm just giving an example of helping one another, you know. Uh, there are people in our congregation that sometimes need help. There are people in our congregation sometimes just need a phone call. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? You know, I called somebody a few weeks ago. I thought, well, I haven't seen her lately. And I know she went through something, so I called. She was so surprised a pastor would call her. She said, wow. That, that, that kind of bothered me that she was surprised the pastor would call her. I thought, wow, I'm laying back on my job, you know? But loving one another, being there for one another, you know? I'm, you know, my buddy Bruce, I told you about that. That's my buddy. I'm, you know, I shouldn't have said his name. But, you know, l let me tell you, about a year and a half ago, am I go I'm going way over, aren't I? But I want to just give you an example. And, but, you know, we were out uh, having coffee. And he said, I got to have an operation. I said, what? He said, on my shoulder. He said, that's really bad. And I, you know, I just got over one about a year before that. And he said, I got to have it. 
And he was going to my same, he was going to my doctor. He said, I got to have the bones replaced. But he said, I can't do it. I said, why not, Bruce? He said, because, he said, they're going to do it as an outpatient. I have nobody to take me and nobody to pick me up. He's got one sister and she lives up in the Upper Peninsula. And he said, Bruce, I'll do it. You will? I said, yeah. You're too busy. I said, no, Bruce, I'm not too busy. I'll do it. He said, well, you got to wait there. He said, you can't leave. You gotta. I said, I know. I'll do it. So I, I waited there. I took him home. Next day, Norman made him dinner. I took it over, gave it to him. He said, oh, my goodness, I can eat this for three days. You know, one of the people in our church lives behind him. And I was telling him about it. He said, oh, hey, we'll buy a chicken, take it over to him. So they bought a chicken, took it over to him. You know, um, that's loving one another. That's loving one another. I took Bruce back to his appointments, back and forth, because he couldn't drive. Now, this is what he said to me. Now, there's five or six of us. All of us played ball together, okay? And, we, and I'm the only one that's a Christian, but they all, the other four kind of hang out together. You know what I'm saying? And the last time, the last time I took him over, he said, hey, you don't need to drive me anymore. He said, can I tell you something, Rick? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, Jim and Tom and Wade haven't even called me. That's his, that's his buddies. He said, Rick, they haven't even called me. But you're here all the time for me. You know? He's my best friend, okay? And I told him, I said, you do the same thing for me, you know? So I'm not so sure, <laughs> but he would, you know? But anyway, uh, that's the kind of ta- things I'm talking about. That's, that is showing love. Now, don't get me wrong. That's just one in a million. There's probably a lot of them I missed, you know? But that's the kind of love. If we want the world to know that we are Christians, then let's love one another. Let's serve one another. Let's don't be afraid of one another. Don't be afraid of your brothers and sisters that maybe don't believe just the way you believe. You know? Don't be afraid to, uh, when you're, you know, watch what I say here. Don't be afraid to, maybe when your Baptist friend calls you and says, hey, we got something special going on in our church. Can you come over? Well, I'm really not Baptist, but yeah, I can come. You know, hey, don't be afraid to rub shoulders with them. Two-thirds of my family's Baptist. Good, good people. We better be. Three of my pastors. You know, so what I'm saying here is, is be friends, okay? Jesus set the example for us. He set the example for us. He's the one who served his deacons, his deacons, his disciples. Well, they were deacons too. He's the one who served them. Why? To show them. The Bible is full of examples how to show love. The Bible is full of examples how to serve one another. If you want to serve someplace and you don't know how, call us. Right, Mark? We can, we can give you all kinds of places to serve, okay? But you know what I'm saying. Let's be a church that loves one another, okay? God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.